1: Hey there, welcome to the show. This is episode 86 of Beyond Synth, and I'm your host, Andy Last, and on the show today, I am joined by Datastream, and we are going to get to that interview in just a little bit. I just started prepping for the Christmas show, so... This year, we're doing something a little different. Basically, there wasn't enough time to organize what we usually do. Normally, every Christmas, we have look a set on the show, but this year, that is not going to work out. But I am going to substitute that for a special show, and I'm not going to spoil it, but I have started working on it, and I hope you guys enjoy it, and I think you will. What else? Uh, Beyond Synth is brought to you by down to jam.com a free website that helps musicians around the world connect based on musical compatibility if you're a musician looking for a partner to jam with or to fill a spot in your band you're going to want to check out this site and sign up down to Jam. That's my new catchphrase for down to jam. It is jam. And that is d-o-w-n-t-o-j-a-m.com. Check it out. It's a cool thing. You know, you can follow me at Andy Last. That's the official Twitter account for Beyond Synth. At Andy Last. Last. That's where you're gonna get updates and reminders about all the stuff to do with the show. And you can also follow facebook.com slash beyond And you should do that, man. Like it, love it, makes me feel good. And while you're in the market to like and love stuff, check out SoundCloud.com/slash beyond hyphen synth. That's where all the episodes of Beyond Synth get posted after they air and it's a good time and of course there's also a patreon but we'll talk about that in a few minutes so let's listen to a track this is a cool song it's by fny off the ocean ep and this is dmc And that was DMC by FNY, <laughs> and that was G-O-O-D, and uh, you're listening to Beyond Synth. Coming up later on the show is Datastream, but first I think I should uh, talk about the Patreon because you know that uh, Beyond Synth has a Patreon. Patreon is a way you can donate to the show. If you dig it, you can uh, you know throw a couple bucks my way, the Beyond Synth way. And uh, we got some goals to reach there to make the show even bigger and better. And uh, you know every little bit helps, man. You know you just want to donate a dollar a month. That's totally cool. People who donate a bit more get uh, some little special shitty prizes. Most of the time, I think people just donate to the show because they support the show because it can can't be because of the prizes, because the prizes are terrible. Anyways, let's go to the Patreon. I'd like to say thank you to my lovely uh, Patreon donors, or my Pattersons as I like to call them. So, I'd like to thank Power85, Brendan Kellum, Ravonia, Lunar Baboon, Knox Bello, Terrence Thompson, Nathan Winter, Data Suck, Seach, The Fear Merchant, Simon Norberg. Kanaz, RGN 1981 Lucas Ceballos, Zikorax, with $1.11, the old 111, I-90RR, Python Blue, Eric Valerio, Tomasz Bubinichek, Chris Schmokel, Schmo, okay, I don't, okay, if the email address is, okay, Chris Schmokel. Schmeckel Schmokel Schmokel S C H O E C K E L I don't know how to say your last name but get in touch with me and let me know so I say it correctly He has donated a funny amount 420 420 bro 420 bro That's what I say to the kids so that they know that I'm cool Because at 4.20, the joints light up, and Chris is lighting up with them. Chris Schmoakl. Schmoakl. Schmukl. Schmukl. Okay, we're done. Uh, X-Riz Music, five dollars and fifty-five cents. The old Triple Five. I dig that. And I guess that kicks off my $5 Pattersons. There's Kai, and Saloya, Joe and Lando, Florence Bullock, Roman, Philip Huberger, Devious, Raven, Bobby B, John Eternal, Will Lowe, Dougie Fresh, Lame Robot Mitchell Garswell, Mono Memory, Replicant 81 Girls with Tails and Hellroy with the donation of the Beast And then there's my lovely $10 Patterson's. There's Jake Last, and Trevor Resnick, Colin Bennett, Jacob Wick, and Fraser Davidson. Nope, Fraser Davidson. (laughs) Haha, see, I remembered. Fuck you! Alright, thanks guys for donating to Beyond Synth and Gals. When I say guys, I mean guys and gals. I think it's one of those unisex terms. So thank you guys for donating to the Beyond Synth Patreon. It means a lot to me. And uh, let's reach some of those goals, man, and make this show uh, bigger than it has to be. Let's listen to a track now. This is a track by Dimmy K. And uh, it's a track called Her Promise off the Dream Sequencer album. That was Her Promise by Dimmy K from the Dream Sequencer album. And I am here now. I don't know. Nope, I've never said that coming in from a song. I am here now. What does that mean? <laughs> uh, stupid. Anyways, guys, as I said, I'm sort of working away on this Christmas episode. Uh, it's going to be a surprise to me because I'm sort of building it as I go and I'm trying to figure out exactly what it's going to be. And without Lucasette on the show. I knew that I had to plan something sort of special and I'm trying to figure out what that should be. And of course, don't worry, like I do want to have uh, Lucas set back on. it's just the scheduling in this month of December was just all out of whack and so uh, hopefully we'll have them on in the new year in some capacity and that would be a lot of fun. Let's read some junk email Where are we- Hi guys Uh, Sometimes I read junk email on this show. It comes into my inbox and it makes me smile, all right? This is from the Executive Governor, Central Bank of Nigeria, the CBN. I feel like I've gotten an email from this name before, but the text of this message looks a little different. It is titled, Attention Beneficiary, as most of them are. I am Godwin Emaphiel from Central Bank of Nigeria. I have come to make so many things right from the way the corrupt government officials has made it to be. Payment of inheritance fund, overdue payments, and compensations without causing heartbreak to beneficiaries is my priority. It is my pleasure to inform you that your delivery man has arrived with your cash. Trunk boxes value $8.3 million being your inheritance slash compensation payment? <laughs> Question mark, I guess. <laughs> He is currently in Seattle-Tacoma International Airport, Washington, on transit. I want you to know that you have 24 hours to email or call him now with this line and they give me a phone number or email Oso 55 at gmail then speak with the diplomatic delivery man for directives. His name is Mr. Donald Oso and he has been waiting to hear from you to enable him get to your home address without missing his way. Most importantly, you are advised to send your full data to him which include your full name, current residential address, direct cell number, closest airport to you and a copy of any identity card to verify that you are the right receiver to avoid mistakes. Note that you must call Mr. Donald Oso as soon as you receive this email for more discussion. You are advised not to waste his time at the airport so that he would not be stranded in any way because he will return if he finds out that you are not doing anything to get him over to your house. Congratulations, Mr. Godwin Emmafeel. Godwin Emma, feel 9 at gmail.com So guys I don't know if this is a scam or not but uh, if any of you uh, listeners want to help me out give Mr. Donald Oso a call and get him over to my house. With my fucking money, my $8.3 million. I like that they don't even know if it's an inheritance or compensation. When I give them my information, what are they gonna confirm? They don't even know what it is. At least they know how much it is. Why do I analyze these things? Let's listen to some music. This is Action Jackson with the track One Way Out. And that was One Way Out by Action Jackson off the Miami Kill album. And you are listening to Beyond Synth. And I'm Andy. I host the show. And I hope you guys are having a good day. I'm having an alright day. I got a bit of a cold. Uh, Hopefully I can get rid of it. But uh, drink lots of water, eat your vitamins, eat your fruits, and your vegetables. If you know what I mean so I have actually nothing to say I've got to go I mean I've got <laughs> I gotta work on the Christmas episode because it's coming up very soon and uh, so little work has been done on it and I'm gonna f- fucking stress out until it's finished So let's go to my conversation with data stream and uh, enjoy it And I am here with do you say data stream or data stream?
2: I say data stream, but I like it when people say data stream as well.
1: It's one of those words that I say two ways, depending on the context. Kind of like Mario and Mario for Super Mario, because people get on my case, because in Canada we say Mario, but everyone else says Mario, but we also... Oh, no, s- I, say, uh, I say Mario. I've said this many times on the show, but it just depends on what I'm talking about. Hmm. So, like, sometimes I'll say Mario Kart, but then I'll say Super Mario Brothers, or it just comes out both ways, depending on uh, what the circumstances is. And Data and Data is one of those ones for me. Me too.
2: I quite like interchangeable sort of sounds like that. I think it's quite nice.
1: But I do know when it sounds funny because I was watching this old episode of Doctor Who from the seventies, and this robot says "insufficient data" at one point.
2: Yeah. And I just remember thinking, like, <laughs> "Fuck, that sounds
1: weird." <laughs> like it just sounded wrong. Anyway, data stream. That's right. That's me. All right. <laughs> We can probably wrap this up. That's all I needed. I just needed confirmation of your name. <laughs> yeah, that's that's
2: me. Yeah, we're cool. Yeah, thanks
1: thanks Andy. Martin Stonehouse, is that correct? That's right. Yeah. Is that an alias or is that your actual name?
2: No, it's my that is my real name. I'm Martin Stonehouse. What's the what do you call it, etymology,
1: when you uh, know the history of the word or whatever? So like s- does that mean your your ancestors were
2: builders? I don't know. I guess maybe they lived in a stone house. Um <laughs> but, uh, I mean, that's not very exciting, is it? I, I'd hope maybe they they did build houses out of stone. That's quite nice, isn't it? Do you like to build? I'd like to build. I don't really have any experience building. But uh, give me some tools and some bricks and things, and we'll see how we go, I guess. But, uh,
1: Speaking of tools, I guess I was just telling you this before the break, but last night I sliced my finger open.
2: Yeah, and it sounds awful.
1: See, that's the thing. When you're using a damn exacto knife, they're just so sharp. I'm always very careful so whenever I finally do something really stupid with one it's almost like I'm just sitting in disbelief like just looking at the wound going like how did that just happen it was really annoying I was cutting cardboard I was listening to one of your albums <laughs> that, that, that,
2: that'll be what that that splitting pain in your finger that's great yeah it
1: was it was corruptopia I forget what track it was though
2: oh well that's probably the best one to go with uh, pain <laughs> I guess.
1: Anyway, I finished the job. That's the bottom line, if you were worried. I was I was cutting a cardboard box. It wasn't even worth it. If it was like a cool job, then I'd be like, at least it'd be worth it somehow, somewhere. You know, like you were doing a good thing when you cut your finger, but I was literally just cutting cardboard.
2: Yeah, it's not a good story, is it? No. It's not like, it doesn't have a great ending. There's no, there's no finished product there, really. I mean, how the cardboard turned out, okay. Well, it was like a, a
1: square of
2: cardboard. Okay. Is that just a sort of personal enjoyment, just cutting cardboard? (laughs) I mean, sounds like you haven't really said what you're cutting cardboard for yet. Well, I.
1: I, (laughs) Ah, my show is so stupid. Uh, I was. uh, We have a fireplace that we don't use. And, uh, it's getting cold, and it's letting, like, cold air into the house. Oh, okay. So I was, like, just cutting a, a thing of cardboard to sort of, like, block the entrance and then duct tape around it to, like, seal it up. Ah, DIY. Yeah, exactly. It looks very DIY, and it feels it, too, because of my fucking finger.
2: Does it work, though? Does it keep the cold out?
1: Uh, sorta. Because, I'm not going to seal it up professionally, because it's still a fireplace. But, I mean, maybe I could have put some more plastic up
2: or something. <laughs> maybe, maybe, you know, just another layer of cardboard. Just chuck a few more on there, but be careful.
1: Well, see, I made, a, I, I made a special thing, which was sort of like multiple layers of
2: cardboard, and then it was cut to the shape of the uh, fireplace. Uh, I don't think you're giving yourself enough credit for this cardboard adventure. <laughs> I mean, it's starting to, sound, starting to sound a little bit more professional each time you talk about it.
1: Well, I got to, it's, it's got to be something, right? It's got to be good. I mean, I fucking sliced my finger over it, man. Well, exactly. Into the nail! into the fucking nail I did this vertical cut which is basically from like the top knuckle of my index finger and just this like diagonal line that just goes onto the nail like I mean I, I just I was looking at my finger going like how did I what was I, ah
2: anyway <laughs> nails are pretty, nails are pretty tough as well aren't they you know you gotta you gotta have some force to get through a nail I think
1: maybe I was really bored of the job. I think there's sometimes when I'm really into a job cutting things, and I, and I want to make sure that the work is good, so I slowly am cutting the lines, making sure everything's fine. I think maybe this job I was just bored of, and so I was just fucking, like, slashing it like a sword.
2: Yeah, I mean, if, if you asked me what I wanted to do on, like, a Friday, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be that. <laughs> But if it if it works, if it serves the purpose, then that's what's important, and it's done.
1: Of course, then you watch like some cold air will just like fucking blow the thing like right out of the fireplace, and.
2: Well, I guess you know when this uh, when this goes live, you can always have an update in the description about how that's gone, and <laughs> just in case people are interested.
1: I love when I finally have people on the show, and instead of talking about useful stuff, I <laughs> some <laughs> useless anecdote of mine. <laughs> Well, if people can learn from this, that's the bottom line. If you're using an X Acto knife, be safe.
2: Be very safe. It's not fun.
1: So, talk to me about uh, Data Stream. Maybe we should play a track.
2: Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> I guess so. I'm not going to cardboard related tracks.
1: What, a, what an introduction to you. Well, how about this? We're going to go and we're going to jump around a bit in the Data Stream library, but. Um, This was actually an album you released kind of a long time ago. Now, did you do like a remaster or something for Corruptopia?
2: Uh, I'm currently doing a remaster of it. Yeah, Um, I did it. I think I put it out in 2014. I think I worked on it for about a year before that, but um, I'm currently doing a remaster of it for Cassette. So that should be finished Ooh. Hopefully summer next year, I think And this was a, uh, like a soundtrack album? Yeah, I guess it's a What If concept album Kind of soundtrack kind of thing The job I was in at the time I found quite interesting And there was a lot of strange politics going on The whole idea of Corruptopia came from that, really So a lot of the track titles And a lot of the inspiration was from from that, I guess Well, here's a, here's a track I dug This is called The Painter
1: from Corruptopia And that was the painter by Datastream, and I'm here with Datastream right now, Martin Stonehouse, and uh, maybe we should get the origin story of Datastream here because I just used this first section
2: to talk about my injury. So uh, talk to me about how it all began, man. I don't know. I, guess, I think about 2012, 2013. I've I've always listened to a lot of music, and I was kind of I've always been really into synthesizers and digital sort of sounding stuff and I was producing a lot of house and electronic music sort of even a bit of drum and bass and dubstep and stuff and some of it was for labels here in the UK and I was getting a bit frustrated with it to be honest so I just started making random stuff with all the synths I'd been buying over the years and had this idea for Datastream which I mean there's a whole there's a whole sort of backstory to it uh, that some people might find interesting some people might not but it sort of serves the purpose of the concept for the entire project. So all the stuff I do as stream has this sort of world that uh, I've made up in my head that sort of uh, inspires it, I guess. Well, talk to me about it, man. Uh, well, uh, the idea... <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Tell me the fucking idea, Martin. Okay, I okay, want to know.
2: Okay, okay. I've told you. It's a long story. But I'll, I'll shorten it down a bit, perhaps. <laughs> I mean, I'm really into I'm really into gaming uh, and games and films that tell a particular sort of story and have a particular sort of feel and stuff. And I wanted to create something that was kind of really immersive for myself, so that whenever I was working on it, I could sort of totally immerse myself in this this idea. And the sort of the whole thing behind Datastream is that it's a company that was sort of set up in the in the early 80s as a sort of an audio research company um, and they were looking at something called portal technology which was how you you could uh, stream sounds into the past um, and into the future and they were looking at sort of different synthesis methods and experimenting with sound and that kind of is the main idea behind data streaming. And a lot of the track titles you'll probably see um, on not so much Cooptopia, but on some of the other albums are kind of based on that idea. Right. And I find it fascinating because I made it all up, but I'm sure some people probably think it's kind of strange. But it uh, it works for <laughs> me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm going in a sort of order right now. Because we're going to get to your sort of the Stored Energies Technologies trilogy as it stands right now.
2: Yes. Uh, Do you intend to do more of those? No. No, so there was only ever going to be three, I'm afraid. But there are some other new things. Um, No more Stored Energies Technology, but some other new ideas, so new stuff on the way
1: what are you doing uh, this afternoon is something exciting happening over there
2: I live in Manchester and in Manchester they go absolutely crazy for a Christmas market we have the biggest I've never seen anything like it Um, we have the biggest Christmas market ever and it's just absolutely packed so I went into town earlier to buy some coffee and some pastry and I came straight back out again because it was terrible Christmas market yeah it's like a it's just tons and tons of sort of semi-wooden cabins Um, all selling Christmassy things. Mm. And thousands of people all trying to get their hands on them at the same time. So my afternoon is uh, talking to you, of course, and then followed up with some, I've got some freelance work later on, some audio stuff, and then coffee and more coffee and more stuff like that. Well, listen, I was doing some
1: research on Datastream, and I found this post from December 7th, 2011. Ooh. That sounds intriguing. And it said, had my first bad sausage roll from Greg's today.
2: Yeah, yeah. It was a bad one. (laughs) What is Greg's? Okay, so in the UK, we have a a baker's... Well, they're they're supposed to be a bakery called Greg's. And uh, they're kind of like a cheap sort of like high street kind of bakery place. They're not so cheap anymore. But yeah, I mean, I always liked their sausage rolls, you know. And then one time, it was just really bad. And uh, (laughs) I don't think... I don't think I've had one since, actually. It's quite a sad story really. It soured you on the whole Greg's experience, this sausage. Roll? Yeah. I mean it was bad. I mean actually a vegetarian now, so I mean that says something, doesn't it? <laughs>
1: was was that the uh, the event that uh, caused you to go vegetarian?
2: Uh no, but I think it was the starting point. Like it was the it was the gateway event. Everything from that point on has just been one more like one more sort of bad experience for meat mm. and myself, and uh, there you go. I wasn't actually vegetarian until earlier this year, so it's took a long time. How's that going? Is that all right? Yeah, it's okay. I mean, I kind of I miss... I mean, I did used to enjoy eating meat, and I kind of miss... Uh, especially there's some nice stuff on the Christmas market, actually. That is the one-plus point. There's some really nice, like, food stalls, you know, and outdoor barbecues and stuff like that. They're great. So, yeah, I kind of miss that side of things, but I'm enjoying not eating meat as well, I suppose.
1: My thing is is hamburgers. Like, hamburgers is my favorite food. and mm-hmm. I don't know what I would do if I couldn't have them anymore because I've tried, you know,
2: veggie burgers and things like that. Yeah, they can be really hit-or-miss, veggie burgers. They can be Sometimes they can be pretty awful.
1: Yeah, it's tricky. I mean, I'm waiting for scientists to uh, synthesize some sort of, you know, synthetic meat. Mm. I know there's some people who, uh, you know, like, eating meat is all about the idea that it was, like, a dead animal, you know? It's, like, some sort of masculine caveman thing or something <laughs> yeah. but for me it's like if they can synthesize something that cooks the same way and has the same taste and texture and stuff i don't care like if it's mm-hmm. made of fucking ground vegetable meal and like synthetic cow blood or something like if it works then i'll be like hey that's great and they can just grow big slabs of gross stuff and in, in like a fucking lab or something
2: you know i didn't think we'd be talking about hamburgers so much <laughs> but uh <laughs> I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? You know, because a lot of people rave about corn and and tofu and stuff like that. I've not had a great experience with either, really. I think it's really hit or miss. I don't know why I'm talking about this in so much detail. I don't know. Anyone else out? (laughs) Anyone's thinking of becoming a vegetarian? You know, maybe this might be the place. If you're a vegetarian DIY doer, Maybe this is the podcast for you. I don't know. I don't know who this podcast is for. I, I, I still well, maybe don't know. <laughs> maybe this episode is going to be the defining point. Maybe this is yeah, where are going to your demographic is going to come together here. People who like eighties-inspired synth music. That like doing home improvements and also are interested in being vegetarians, but not quite made the jump yet. Yeah, this can be the time. This can be my Greg's sausage moment. I wouldn't refer to it as that, but <laughs> yeah, maybe. Hey, let's listen to
1: another song. Cool. We'll listen to another track from Corruptopia. I mean, this stuff is sort of different uh, than your your later stuff that uh, you're doing with the stored energies technologies, which I really dig. I dig uh, all the stuff, but I'm I'm going. We're going on a journey here. But this was another track that I uh, dug from the album, and this one's called Enter the Ranger. And that was Enter the Ranger by Datastream off the Corruptopia album. And I'm here with Datastream right now. Martin Stonehouse, we're talking about DIY and sausages and being a vegetarian. What's your favorite vegetarian meal?
2: I don't know, actually. I don't think I've had enough yet to make a sensible judgment, you know? I feel like I'm still... I've I've only touched the surface of the vegetarian iceberg Iceberg lettuce. Oh, I don't like lettuce that much, though. Iceberg lettuce. I'm probably not a very good vegetarian. To think, about, really, you know, <laughs> do you eat a lot of meat? <laughs> <laughs> no, I guess I just don't like a lot of. Uh, I mean, I like some. I like vegetables and fruits and stuff, you know, all sorts of stuff. But I, I just I haven't experimented enough yet. I feel a bit. I feel a bit inexperienced, you know. I almost feel like
1: you have to be a better cook to be a vegetarian. It's like you got to do more tricks. I think.
2: Yeah, I definitely agree, and and currently. I don't really have a kitchen that much. It's kind of a... It is a kitchen, but it's not really something where you can really get to grips with cooking, you know, and enjoy it. So I think that probably is a bit of a sticking point for me at the moment. Maybe when we uh, when we get a better kitchen, I'll be a better vegetarian.
1: Yeah, you need, uh, you need a lot of counter space. Like, whenever I watch, like, cooking shows and stuff, and it, it seems like, oh, that would be good to do, and then you sort of look at their set, like their kitchen set, and they got, like, a, this big giant island and, like this big long like silver countertop and stuff where they can just cut everything and it all looks so nice and then uh and then when i go to my kitchen and i've got like about you know like a square foot of space to put everything like all the pots and do all the cutting and it's like yeah it's not as good you need a you need a set like they have on television then i think cooking would be a lot more enjoyable
2: well maybe they just need to make more realistic cooking shows for people who have actual you know real kitchens as opposed to like a giant garage Filled with stuff, you know But that would be cool I don't know, I'm just daydreaming now They'd be just like Showing you how you can You know, maximize the space In your kitchen For your vegetables or something I don't know Well,
1: it could be like Those weird Japanese You know, those like Japanese apartments Where everything like Folds in on itself Oh, my
2: apartment's like that Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah It's interesting It's like a concrete cube and everything is sort of hidden. It was built that way, or have you folded everything <laughs> yourself? No, it was, uh, it's kind of like a big block. Actually, it's uh, sort of a big concrete sort of block. It almost resembles a prison, actually, on the inside. <laughs> 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 Sounds great. Yeah, yeah, it's lovely. Um, but, I mean, they're all identical concrete cubes, and all the fittings and fixtures are all, like, folded up into the walls, and the bed folds up against the wall. The toilet is, like, in a foldable room. So it's pretty exciting. I mean, you know, unless, wait, unless wait, you want a lot of Hold space. on,
1: are you living in some, like, fucking future? Where, where are you? <laughs> you just described, like, a future city to
2: me. <laughs> it's just Manchester. I don't know, there's a couple of these blocks. They're quite cool, yeah, I mean, they're quite inspiring, actually. A lot of concrete. So, do you live in a building where there's, like, a bunch of these, like, style things? Yeah, yeah, which is why it feels a bit like a prison sometimes, because everyone's in identical cubes. <laughs> and, our, and our doors are metal bars. Uh, there are doors. But they have numbers above them, so you feel like that's your little sort of, that's your cell number kind of thing. I'm not painting it in a very good light, am I? It's a nice place to live, I promise.
1: And for some reason when we move in, they make us wear orange jumpsuits. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, mine's in the mine's in the wash at the moment. I've just got <laughs> well, That sounds interesting, man. It is cool. I mean, I used to live in uh, sort of further out in a small town, further in the country, and then we moved here in the summer. So it's been quite a change. So is it like a new building? I think it's about six or seven years old
1: do you leave it like with stuff out or do you find yourself constantly like folding things and putting things back into the wall and stuff
2: yeah i'd like to do that whole minimalist thing but i've got way too much you know audio clutter around to do that so uh no is the answer most stuff (laughs) is unfolded all the time (laughs) i like that yeah i mean everyone comes around they're like oh this is interesting i think most people's view is that it's cool but they probably couldn't live here because it's too small. But it's it's okay for now, you know?
1: Yeah, that's the one thing that I get a little fed up. Even though my apartment that I'm in now is bigger than the one I used to live in. I live in a very tiny one. I still end up accumulating a lot of stuff, and I find it frustrating when I have to move everything to do like a task you know it's just like well i gotta like slide all these desks and all these things from this side of the room
2: yeah over
1: here so i can pull this thing out i mean it's it's one of the main things that slows me down from doing my video projects because uh, mm-hmm. you know i've got to build these like costumes and things and
2: without a workshop yeah of course you need a lot of space for that
1: yeah and like an hour is always just the getting everything out you know the materials ready and folding out a table and all this other stuff it just frustrates me like sometimes I don't work on it simply because
2: I dread the uh you know the prep time yeah that's it. if that sort of takes away from the creative side of it doesn't it
1: well especially when you're driven that way like if you have that sort of artistic sort of drive it sort of just strikes yeah and it can't be scheduled and that's my biggest problem Which I guess is a luxury problem to have, so I can't really complain. But, like, you know, in terms of artistic sort of satisfaction, that's the one thing that always stands in my way is that there's so many things to do during the day chores and all this other stuff and I've got kids and they got to go to school and all this stuff that uh, you never know when all of a sudden it's like you know fucking 2pm and all of a sudden your brain just like snaps into place and like okay now is the time I have to you know make music or you know now is the time I have to write or do something and you have to like seize that moment yeah and uh, when you have so many like chores and things to do uh, those moments are sort of pass by and when they do strike sometimes you just can't act on them
2: yeah it's frustrating I mean I've still got my studio in Chesterfield, but obviously I'm not I'm not living there at the moment. So I've only got um, some stuff with me here in Manchester. So I've got a similar situation where I've got synths under the bed and audio equipment in cupboards hidden away and stuff like that. So when I need to get bits and bobs out, it can be a bit time consuming. But it's worth it. It's worth it. But like you say, sometimes you just want just to want to do it, don't you? But I mean, then it all comes down to
1: fucking money. Like, I wish I had enough money that I could just rent a space mm. someplace and I, you could just go there like a job. Because there's so many distractions, too, especially working from home. It's like, I'm distracted every two seconds. The internet, all the other stuff going on. Every time I leave the room, I'm just reminded of something I have to do. Yeah. And it clutters my brain. And what I've learned as I'm getting older, is like, I'm just terrible at multitasking. I thought I was good at it when I was younger, and I think I might have just been deluding myself this whole time. Because uh, it's like, if I have a task, right, and I'm on a mission, you know, I have to go uh, make myself a cup of tea. Well, if, if I'm walking towards the tea kettle, and somebody just walks in and says, Hey, do you remember to go buy bananas? When I say that's probably my wife. Uh, (laughs) Then literally I'll be like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. I'll go and write bananas on a list, and I will have forgotten that I was going to get tea. Like, it's, it's that simple for me. Like, just little simple distractions, and now I find myself, like talking out loud when i'm doing a task <laughs> so that i don't get uh, thrown off
2: yeah i think i have a similar trouble sometimes i have to write to-do lists you know on a good old notepad i think that's always good for me
1: yeah i do that too no like the fucking to-do lists are important especially when i go shopping because i always find i'll go to grocery shop for a specific item and then return with a whole bunch of groceries and then not have purchased that thing that actually i went to the grocery store for specifically.
2: Yeah, and then you have that like, whole dilemma of whether you can be bothered to go back out again or you're going to make do with what you've got.
1: Yeah, I usually make do. There's nothing more frustrating than having to go back.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> This is a a deep conversation today.
1: Well, yeah, we'll listen, we'll listen to some more (laughs) music. This is apparently a music show. So, um, we're going to move ahead here to stored energies technology volume one. And we're going to listen to a track that I really dug on this called feelings by data stream. And that was Feelings by Datastream off Stored Energies Technologies, Volume 1. And I'm here with Martin Stonehouse, who is Datastream. So this was... uh, I, I dig your sound, so I tend to gravitate more towards... Your vocoder tracks. Mm-hmm. I really like the sort of harmonies that you set up. Your like your vocoder harmonies.
2: Yeah, I do love my vocoders. As people probably realize, if they listen to any of those releases, yeah.
1: Yeah, and those are the ones I find. Like whenever I listen to one of your EPs, it's usually the vocoder tracks that I dig. In fact, it's probably going to be all vocoder all the time from here on out for the rest of the show. But uh, I dig them. I think they're a lot of fun, and I like. Um, the sounds you uh you use in this ep because there's one there's that like sega genesis bass line sound
2: yeah yeah the
1: beginning of your track thunder bay
2: oh yeah, yeah. it totally
1: reminds me of the uh the golden axe uh mm. select screen oh
2: i do love golden axe yeah yeah
1: because so. uh, you know like the, the select screen the fucking and like your thunder bay one it almost it, like you're using the same instrument i don't know what that instrument is called
2: The Genesis and the Mega Drive—they they, they used an FM synth chip in the consoles, and um, I used a DX twenty seven for that bass. I think it's a very similar sort of engine for synthesizing stuff. I think that's pretty much that, that exact sound. To be honest, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that's okay. It was just one of the stock p- patches on the synth. You know, just sounds great. Yeah, no, it's a cool sound. What is barely legal beats? Cool. So I mean, I'll, where did you find that? <laughs> I was doing some research. I guess it does pop up if you put my name into Google sometimes, doesn't it? Yeah, and
1: see, I'm always typing in barely legal, and then all of a sudden I, <laughs> I finish the sentence with beats, and then I found it's just like, oh, Martin makes other music, or what? No, I was, I was scrolling through your Facebook. I do not type in barely legal into Google. I'm not a fool.
2: We'll see if that stays in the podcast, shall we? I
1: know where to find that stuff without typing it into Google, like some chump. <laughs> Do people do that? Is that a thing? I don't like, know. Like, for people like, looking
2: for porn, that they go into Google and type in like what they like? I don't know. I mean, you'd think, I guess, if they were that into it, they'd have a, a place they go to. <laughs> you know? I, I guess. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Who yeah. knows, yes. Anyways, tell me about Barely Legal Beats. So, I think it was about 2009 or 2008, I started making quite a lot of dubstepy stuff. I was talking about it earlier. That was my sort of alias for, for dubstep electronic-y weird sounds, really. So I I produced a couple of EPs that got signed to a couple of small English labels and a few other bits and bobs and had a lot of fun with it, actually. it's quite good. It was really good because I'd spent a lot of time learning about sort of synthesis at that point. I was using a lot of software synths. But I was learning a lot about how sounds were created, you know. So that kind of, that belly Legal Beat stuff was me messing around with a lot of synths a lot of the time. But I was liking a lot of the stuff I was hearing in that sort of scene at the time as well. So I tend to, you know, I'm a bit of a sponge with music. I tend to absorb a lot of different styles and then it gets regurgitated in. Some fashion.
1: Because you do have several aliases.
2: So is this one that... I mean, this is done, right? Like, you don't do it anymore? Yeah, it's done. It's been done for a long time. I still like the stuff I made, but it's done. Yeah, you know, it's uh, that was another thing. And uh, I'm not into that particular sort of sound, I guess, anymore, really. I mean, I still like listening to bits and bobs of uh, that sort of style, but it was a nice little foray into that side of things i suppose
1: this was the stuff that you were making when you were in chesterfield
2: Mm, yeah i made a lot of stuff in chesterfield i lived there for like 29 years so like how big is the population of that i don't know about maybe about two hundred and fifty thousand. i suppose it's a big town is that where like the couch came from Uh, i don't think so no i always thought that as well but i don't think it is it's too bad. <laughs> <laughs> we we
1: we could have got another few minutes out of that. Uh. Were you hoping for
2: some interesting anecdotes around <laughs> Chesterfield sofas? There's also cigarettes called Chesterfield as well, but they're nothing to do with the town either.
1: Well, we can just talk about Chesterfields. I don't know what the difference is between Chesterfield and the couch, if
2: it's just an alternate word. I think a Chesterfield is leather, and it has a low back. So, you you know, like, if you sat on it, you can't really lean back properly because it's too low, so you sort of end up well I do because I've got quite a tall back you sort of fall off the edge of the back back, and it's not very comfy well that sounds like shit yeah I know but I mean they're supposed to be quite popular I guess they're quite cool now because they're kind of vintagey aren't they you know people love all that (laughs) Um, There's no point in me sitting here, um uh, having a go, of that is it when I'm sat here with synths from like thirty years ago, but uh <laughs> So when you were doing the barely
1: legal beat stuff, you were using still vintage synths or were you doing a lot of
2: uh Uh most of it was in the box synths plugins. Um I didn't have a lot of money at the time. I'd started buying synths but they weren't the sort of sound I was looking for in that sort of stuff. So I was using a lot of soft synthesizers um and plugins. An endless list of free ones, you know, but not so much the hardware stuff. I've not really got into that as much. I've got a few bits and bobs, but I think I was still making sounds that were more contemporary at that time, I guess.
1: How do you manage your sort of a synth collection now
2: then? Fold it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd like to say I'd modified them all so they can fold into a wall, but that's yeah. not the case. Um, I mean, I've, I've got a fair few now. Um, none of them are particularly expensive. I mean, I tend to go for the for digital stuff, which doesn't have the sort of kudos as a lot of the you know the analog synths, the big sort of players. And some of them are back in Chesterfield, and some of them are with me. And every so often, I swap them around or I'll go back down to Chesterfield to record some certain bits on certain synths. You know, and they do take quite a lot of looking after, and repairing as well I've got quite a few Roland keyboards and they've got quite a few quirks that need sorting out so it's not something you can do kind of part-time you have to because if you leave them too long they'll just they'll not be happy with you you know what I mean
1: speaking of happy let's uh let's listen to some more
2: music yes what what have you got in mind for happy I'm intrigued
1: I'm not too sure actually I was uh, that's what we call a bad segue yeah Yeah. it's sort of like this whole program is a bad segue uh, this is we're gonna move forward in time here to stored energies technologies volume 2 and this was a track that I thought was cool it is called portal technology by data stream <laughs> And that was portal technology by data stream off stored energies technologies volume two and i'm here with data stream right now martin hello Stonehouse. that was an excellent introduction so that's a cool one i dig it i was going through again your your timeline and seeing all these random aliases of yours hmm. and then i came across this let's see if this uh jogs your memory here. I'm going to read you something.
2: Okay. This is exciting.
1: At the beginning of this month, we announced that we were hosting a remix competition for Laura Doggett's track Moonshine. Now we've come around full circle. It's nearly Christmas, the end of the year. The remixes have been finished, and the winner has been chosen. And the winner was Pine Martin, who did a remix of Laura Doggett's track Moonshine, and Pine Martin is You! Yeah, it is.
2: (laughs) It's another one. And this is why
1: I get so fucking confused with all the damn,
2: (laughs) the synthwave people. Like, I have a chart. That's probably a good idea, like a, a synthwave family tree.
1: This happens to me so often where I will literally be, like, having conversations with somebody and then, like, a year later someone sends me tracks, like, through SoundCloud or something and they'll be like, oh, check out my album. And I'll be like, oh, cool. And I'm assuming that I'm meeting this person for the first time. Yeah. Uh, you know, they send me some tracks and then I realized like, oh, shit, I actually talked to that person like a year ago under like a different alias and didn't even realize it. And I think that happened with you because I remember seeing Pine Martin, the words Pine Martin. And then when Datastream came out, I don't think I connected that Datastream was you.
2: No, I mean, I guess I didn't really want it to be a connection either, to be honest. I like to work on things separately because they're kind of different mindsets. And I find that But obviously because Datastream's got this whole sort of made up fantasy world that I live in for it it's very different to a lot of the other stuff that I work on so I find it's easier for me to sort of separate them a bit but they do cross over they will do because it's still music made by me I suppose
1: now would you say I mean that remix you did because you won this little competition thing hmm uh, would you say that there was a juddering synth bass and a swaying pendulous beat underpins uh, snow swirls of misty chords and the occasional stabs of guitar? A definitely 80s flavor, ornamented with icy melodies towards the end? A synth solo summoning the delicate nocturnal majesty of Laura Doggett's original, whose vocals are treated perfectly in the atmospheric mix?
2: I would say exactly that. Yeah, those are my words. <laughs> I listened to the song, and that's what came to mind. That is exactly what I'd say. I really enjoyed making it, and it was fun, and I liked it at the end of the day. Um, (laughs) I actually won uh, the competition. Yeah, I actually got to meet her as well at a gig in London, so that was really nice. And she was lovely. Yeah, she was really... Really down to earth and friendly, and really thankful for doing a remix. It was just a nice, a nice thing to be part of, to be honest. So you do a whole bunch of stuff then, like on the side or whatever. Is that your main gig? I see pictures of you like recording uh, sounds in the wilderness. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I suppose really my main role now is sort of a freelance audio. A designer I guess you could call it so I do a lot of work at the moment with games companies creating sound assets and music for games um, I'm working on some film projects at the moment some animations um, and I also help out other people I've done mastering for people some of which have been in the sort of synth scene. scene um, and I also do recording as well for people I've worked with audio for a long time so I kind of like to do a lot of different stuff with it really That keeps me busy, keeps me interested, and I'm always learning, which is really important for me. I don't like to be sat still too long. I enjoy field recording.
1: I think it's fun. I I haven't done a lot of it. In recent years, but it is fun to, you know.
2: It is fun. I went out yesterday actually and did some, and uh, it's always interesting what people say to you whilst you're recording stuff. I had two pretty good ones yesterday. I was walking around with a, with one of those, you know, the uh, the windshields looks like a blimp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was walking around. I had that up, and this guy came past, and he goes, "Looks like a bloody squirrel that," uh, which is <laughs> which is now sampled forever in my library. <laughs> Uh, and I had another one where a woman walked past, well, she didn't walk past, she was riding a horse, actually, which is quite a nice sound to record, you know, the, the clip-clop of hooves. Mm-hmm. Um, but as she was walking past, she just announced that she was on a horse to me. She just said, I'm on a horse. <laughs> and, then, and then she rode off into the distance. <laughs> it's quite surreal, actually. I'm on a horse. <laughs> like I couldn't tell, you know. <laughs> Ah, oh, there's something really awesome about that. Yeah, well, she was quite a character, you know. Maybe, maybe I'll see her again, uh, one day. <laughs> oh,
1: that's like my new favorite thing—like just <laughs> to be riding a horse—and that's what you say to
2: people as you pass them. <laughs> there's something very sincere about it, isn't there?
1: <laughs> I'm riding a horse.
2: She was completely straight-faced, looking at me. I thought she was going to ask me what I was doing, which is what people usually do when they see you with recording equipment. But she didn't. She just said that straight. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that
3: is awesome. Very
2: very peculiar, but I mean that's why I like doing that sort of that's that side of stuff field recording is fun for sort of, for that, you know. And you never know really what you're going to get when you go out and about with recording stuff. I don't know why that's
1: hitting me as funny as it is, but that is
2: amazing. Yeah, my girlfriend uh, laughed quite a while about that one as well. <laughs> she felt Trying to cry music. I'll try and get it online. I'll try and put it on my SoundCloud or something. Or maybe I can just sample it and put it in a track. Who knows? Oh, that'd be awesome.
1: Put some vocoder on there. Oh, yeah,
2: she'd sound good with a vocoder, actually. (laughs) I mean, that's the thing I like about vocoders, is that... I mean, all the songs I've written with vocoders have all got lyrics, obviously, but sometimes they're you know because of the nature of a vocoder it's not that easy to tell what the lyrics are mm-hmm. but i quite like that it leaves it open to a bit of interpretation and mystery i suppose which is cool well let's listen to another song yeah and then we'll uh we'll we'll talk some more so what, what do we got
1: here here's a cool song with some more vocoder action this is star racer by data stream That was Star Racer by Datastream from Stored Energies Technologies, Volume 2. I'm here with Martin Stonehouse. We were just talking about some lady who was on a horse. What a lady she was. Talk to me about uh, these uh, Datastream mini-discs.
2: I love mini-discs as a format. Um, I think they're really... They're just really cool looking. I think they look super futuristic, even though they're obviously quite old now. And a while ago, I actually, I was lucky enough to come across a bulk collection of mini discs, which I promptly acquired. Were they in the garbage? No, they were being thrown out at work, actually. And I took them home and they've been with me for a long time now. They've still got, still got quite a few left. <laughs> yeah, they're not, they're not massive, but they had the, they were quick, I think was the appeal. I think they were really quick and easy to use because they had, like, digital limiting built into them, so you couldn't really clip, you couldn't distort, well, you could probably distort it, but you could, you know, record something quite quickly and easily and get it back quite quickly and easily. Well, I guess that was the thing, but at the end of the day, they're, like, they're mechanical, aren't they? are like the mechanical are not they they have got moving parts, so they weren't to last very long, I don't think. When
1: I did field recordings in college, we were using DAT tapes.
2: Oh, yeah, I still use DAT tapes from time to time, yeah. I've got a whole host of... Random, I guess, obsolete equipment now. I guess, but you know, I found it interesting. Found it really fun to use. So that's why I did this stuff with mini discs, I guess, because they're just fun, and and it was nice making the labels. I actually cut my finger making the labels for a mini disc. Let's just go back <laughs> to the whole cutting your finger on yeah, a cardboard. Br- bringing thing. it all around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I do all the labels and stuff myself. Uh, so I had to cut them all up. But they're really good fun. They're a novelty, aren't they? Really, you know. I don't expect someone to buy them and say, "Oh, well." This mini disc is superior, or whatever. It's not, it's just a, a fun thing. I only have so many of each color, so that's why there's only a limited amount for those releases, I guess. You know, you said you were doing stuff, you know, for games and things, and I've seen you
1: post several times, like, do you also, like, build some stuff like 3d shit
2: yeah um i've done some 3d shit (laughs) (laughs) well i mean it did feel like that at the start because i've not been very good at it i've had to learn a lot of the the game design stuff but i mean mostly i've been learning to use some game engines been using um, unreal and unity just to build stuff to implement audio in to sort of test it out so i'm trying to sort of develop my knowledge of that sort of that side of things the implementation of audio as well as the actual design of the sound itself so I've been sort of making those as a a showcase really for what I can do so I've done one recently called Data Labs which as you can imagine fits nicely into the data stream thing so that's going to be something that you'll probably see more of but that is a an office with a research facility underground Um, so again it's all part of this same world in my head.
1: (laughs) I tried to do some stuff with Unreal because I had this idea like last year that I was going to make a video game Mm -hmm. and I thought I'd have to like build a like a trailer, and so I... I and I, I'm not a 3D animator at all. Like, I do 2D stuff. I got, like, Blender because I was going to try and do, like, a fake trailer. And then when Unreal became free, I was like, well, maybe I can build a level, you know, like in Unreal, because it was just going to be a first-person shooter. Yeah. And then I just got kind of overwhelmed and gave up. And that's my story about that.
2: Yeah, I think it is overwhelming. There's so much to learn. Those. I mean, that's why I love it, because I just love learning stuff all the time, even though it can be really frustrating. But I think... If I hadn't had a particular goal in mind with what I wanted to do, I could have got lost very quickly with the stuff in Unreal because there's so many different routes you can take with it, so many different ways of building stuff, creating things. I had to kind of limit myself to the things I knew I needed to include. So sort of like basic mechanics and things like that and basic events, scripting and stuff like that, not getting too much into the playability, I guess, of the game. Right. Because it is really just a showcase for audio at the end of the day. So I guess it, obviously if I was going to make it as a playable game to put out there, I'd need to learn a lot more, you know, because I'm still very inexperienced to that side of stuff. But I feel like I'm getting a really good grasp of the audio side of it, which is what I wanted to do. So you can make a game where like some lady walks up on a horse? That is an excellent idea maybe I will do that maybe that's what the horse thing should become Yeah. The game horse lady the game you start off and you, you stood there with a microphone in your hand just by the side of a path and then a horse <laughs> <laughs> comes up to you with a lady on it and she just says that and that's the end then the credits roll
1: Well, nowadays, with the state of, like, some indie games, I could see that as a game. Like, I've I've seen some games where you could literally be, the game is, like, field recorder, and it's just you walking around with a boom mic in a
2: forest, and that's (laughs) the game. I mean, there are some pretty dire simulation games, aren't there? (laughs) I mean, I like some simulation games, but there are some terrible ones. I've got a copy of Oil Wig Simulator 2001, (laughs) which I've had since... 2001 uh, <laughs> and i've never opened it so it's it's sealed it's in mint condition so hmm. maybe one great. day yeah <laughs> maybe one day that'll be worth some money
1: well let's listen to some more music man yeah we're moving ahead now to stored energies technologies volume three and this is a track that i really dug it is called downtime by data stream That was Downtime by Data Stream. And that's a cool track. That uh, that one always gets stuck in my head. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely
2: got that, hasn't it? It gets stuck in my head as well. And my girlfriends.
1: Downtime. It's
2: awesome. It's about making sure you have regular breaks at work. <laughs> <laughs> that is what it's about. Well that's cool. Well, it's important, isn't it?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I think that's one of the things I like about the vocoder. I don't know if people ever get that, but that's what it's about. But uh, that's what it is about. It was about this whole idea about Datastream being this company in the 80s. They used to use these pieces of music to try and motivate their employees. So downtime is one of the pieces of music that might play over the PA system in the office or something, you know, just to make them feel a little bit better about themselves. You know, back
1: in December of 2014, you made a post on Facebook And you said, I'm making this post to inspire me to complete all these tasks this week. And I want to know if you got all your stuff done. You had a music industry report. That was number one. MIDI technology essay.
2: Oh, that was a good one.
1: Final composition, video presentation, mastering the streets of rage, finish new remix, pay bills, important in brackets, Mm -hmm. finish Christmas shopping, eat and sleep. Did
2: you get it all done? I think I did. I think I did, yeah. Um, I can remember making that list, actually. That's weird. You should be a historian, maybe, Andy. This is like an episode of This Is Your Life, a really bad one. It is. Yeah. I did get all that done. I did. And I got good marks for those uh, essays of that work as well, which I was pleased about. And I finished the Streets of Rage track. That was on a compilation for... I don't know if you ever saw that one. It was... Synths of Rage? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Synths of Rage, yeah. Mm -hmm. That was good. uh, That was fun. And what else was on that list? Eating and sleeping, paying bills. I definitely pay the bills, otherwise, I probably wouldn't be talking to you now. I might be actually in a real prison.
1: <laughs> Which would ironically be exactly the same, except with a slightly different
2: outfit. That's right, yeah. But thank you for reminding me about that. That was quite cool.
1: <laughs> well, see, it's nice. You can go back. That was two years ago, and we're almost. In that exact same time of year, yeah.
2: do you feel that a lot has changed in your life? Well, yeah, because I'm not in Chesterfield anymore. That was a big change. I'm on the last year of my degree now, which is what those pieces of work were for. That MIDI essay, and so I nearly finished my degree. I finished in March, so not long left. Well, What is this for? This is a music production degree, so I've never actually had a, a real qualification in music, I guess. I did uh, some basic courses when I was about 17 or 18, but I got to a point a few years ago I wanted to learn more and I wanted to have something to prove to myself really that I could do it. So that's why I started the degree and I did the first two years online with a company called Point Blank uh, that was really good. And then the, this year I'm with a sort of like a specialist media company, I guess you could call it in Manchester called Futureworks, who do sort of audio, they do games design, they do animation, VFX, film, all sorts of stuff. So yeah, a lot has changed since since then. Well, that's exciting. So this is like then further education? Yeah, definitely. I'd done my A-levels and GCSEs and stuff like that. But when I finished college, I didn't really know if I wanted to go to university. So I just started working and that's where I was for a long time and it's been great. But then I got to a point where I wanted to, you know, I needed to change and I wanted to learn more. So that's why I sort of started it. You're a uh, an ambitious go-getter. A jet setter. Maybe. maybe Oh yeah, jet setter. Yeah, that's better. Well, I can't afford to go actually on a plane. Does jet setter like? Is that a thing where it it involves plane rides? I guess it means like a businessman. I think it's like an eighties term, maybe for someone who you know is on business flights all the time. Jet setter.
1: I'm gonna type jet setter into Google.
2: Okay, this will be interesting. I just gotta delete
1: my search. Right, hold on here. Barely leave. Okay, jet setter. (laughs) Jet setter. All right. Jet Setter, a person who travels to numerous places around the world, to places that other people always want to go but never do. Okay, well, there you go. I always thought it was kind of a businessy side of things, but you know. If he's one of those like businessmen that's always like, I have a meeting in Tokyo, and really he's just like having an affair with some lady in like some other state.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's probably what it more than likely might be, but uh. It sounds cool if you say you've got a meeting on the other side of the world, yeah. right? <laughs> I mean, I say that now, but it's on Skype, so it doesn't really count. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you want to listen to another song? I would love to listen to another song. Here's another one from Stored Energies Technology Volume 3. This is Digital Daydream by Datastream. <laughs> that was digital daydream by data stream and i'm here talking to data stream right now about jet setting yep something i'm not doing
2: <laughs> but would
1: like to maybe talk to me about i saw some pictures of you like repairing fucking keyboards and stuff
2: oh yeah oh yeah i think earlier i mentioned about having some roland keyboards that required a bit of attention mm, synth hospital that's it yeah and me and uh robin you know ogre sound never never heard of him never heard of him yeah okay well, me and Robin were had this thing on Twitter where we, you know, we talk a lot on Twitter about various bits and bobs. But um, Synth Hospital was whenever anything ever needed repairing, and my Roland JV80 had a problem with its keys, so that's what that was all about. And did you fix it? Yes, yeah, fixed. It's sat here actually, right next to me right now. It's one of the. Three synths I've got in Manchester with me. It's my first synth I ever ever bought as well. So
1: well, it must be easier to
2: fold up if it's like all in pieces. Yeah, well that's true, but it's not in pieces at the moment. The problem I had was this is it. I don't know if anyone finds this interesting. It goes to back to the DIY stuff quite nicely. Roland made keyboards in the eighties, and they used this really bad glue, this sort of resiny glue, and after a while, like fifteen years or something, it basically just starts to disintegrate and. I'd count my keyboard against a wall for about a month or two, and all the glue had run down the inside of the keys, and they'd all stuck together into one long key. Weird. So when you press one key, every single key on the keyboard went down because they'd all been glued together. So I'm sure there's probably a few people out there that have had the similar trouble, but it was a pain to sort out because you have to take the entire keyboard apart to take all the keys off. But that's that's part of the part of it, I guess. So you must uh, be pretty damn proud of yourself now. I am. I'm yeah. really proud. Really proud. <laughs> Me too, man. Good. You should just—you should get your degree just for doing that. I wish I could. Uh, I wish I could. To be honest, I think it's nearly ready for another clean. I don't know. Maybe I could add it into my coursework. I'm not sure. So do you have to go in there and like put in your own new glue? No, not at all, actually. Because um, basically, the glue is to hold in these little bits of metal under the keys that are like weigh the keys down, so they feel a bit more like piano-y, I guess. So I just replaced... uh, I got rid of all the excess. This is... I don't know if this is exciting to anyone. It's exciting for me. I hope you found it interesting. I'm riding a horse. (laughs) I'm fixing a synth. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I basically took all the excess glue off, um, and then I got little bits of sticky-back double-sided tape and stuck them back in again. Art attack. That's it, yeah. Sorry, whenever I hear the word sticky-back, I just think of art attack. Well,
1: yeah. You you got your sticky-back plastic, because we don't call it that here. I don't know what we call it, but he was always using sticky-back plastic all the time.
2: Yeah, it's pretty good. What do you call it, then? It's just tape.
1: I guess. Or just double-sided tape? No, because when he had sticky-back plastic, it was like a film or something, wasn't it? No, I can't remember. Oh,
2: that was... Yeah, sticky-back plastic was like a... Yeah, you could peel it off and then you could apply it to something. Yeah, that was like a big... You could put it like a sheet. Yeah, I used to use that in secondary school all our books we got for school we had to cover ourselves i don't know why they did it i guess it was just something menial they got us to do when we first started yeah <laughs> to substitute for education is just like yeah we yeah. can waste a day having
1: them put fucking plastic
2: on their books yeah i mean it turned out for me it was a good thing because i used to spill drinks a lot but at the time i thought it was pretty useless mm. but it was it was like this sticky film you used to put it around the front cover and then around the book
1: yeah when they have like weird words for things too because i'm thinking about sticky bag plastic when i was a kid they had this glue when I was in public school, and it was not glue. It almost looked like the color of honey, and there's these weird n- nibs on the end of the bottle that would, like, have, like, a horizontal slice in them, and it was called mucilage. 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 I mean, what an awful word, and... It sounds disgusting. Yeah, and it wasn't glue, but it was like, we used it as glue, but they even didn't call it glue. Like, they'd be like... It's mucilage. It, I don't know why this just came back
2: to me now. What did you glue with it? What did you use it on? No, it was, it was glue. I mean, it was essentially glue. It sounds something... You might use it on a plane. You know, yeah, like Yeah, I know. It's,
1: yeah, it's like... <laughs>
2: mucilage
1: is the thing that, like, fucking clears your sinuses. Like, it just sounds... What a weird word. Don't know why that just came into my head. Nah,
2: no, it's not a word I've ever heard. Probably never will hear it again, actually.
1: Hold on. I'm going to type this into Google. i just got to delete my previous search here. Okay, barely legal. <laughs> The joke is that I already did that. Okay, (laughs) mu 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 A viscous-
2: Sounds bad already. Oh, God.
1: Okay. Uh, gross. There's no way we were fucking gluing with this. Mucilage is a thick, gluey substance produced by nearly all plants and some microorganisms. Uh, Here we are, human uses. Mucilage is edible. It is used in medicine as it relieves irritation of mucous membranes by forming a protective film. Traditionally, marshmallows were made from the extract of the mucilingus... root... Of the marshmallow plant, used as a cough medicine. Oh, there you go. Inner bark of the slippery elm. And you were gluing with it. Mucilize mixed with water has been used as glue, especially for bonding paper items such as labels, postage stamps, and envelope flaps. There you go. I wonder if I can find a picture
2: of the... <laughs> You're going to use that as the artwork for this this episode?
1: I'm going to use that as the audio for this entire episode. I'm just going to, for, for an hour, just loop my fucking mucilage conversation.
2: It's not a nice word. I wouldn't want it anywhere near me.
1: God, why did that just happen? Okay, how about this? You sent me a track and we're going to listen to it.
2: Yeah, new song. Because,
1: yeah, you got a new song. Although, when this is released, this episode, you might have either just released it or it is coming out in a few days. Uh, December 16th is the plan. So, here's a cool track, and it is a data stream song featuring JJ Mist. And uh, this track is called The Spark. And that was The Spark by Datastream featuring JJ Mist, and that's uh, an early preview, comes out uh, very soon, and uh, talk to me about uh, making that.
2: It was a really fun song to make. I mean, I always enjoy making music anyway, but that one, one of those ones where you start working on something and everything, everything seems to put a smile on your face. And I started working on that about, uh, probably about a year ago, actually, so quite a while now just sort of a few ideas bits and bobs it was all done on hardware so it's all kind of old synths old drum machines old bits of kit um, and then I started working on it a bit more when I moved to Manchester and I felt like it really needed some vocals so uh, I got in touch with Jess uh, JJ Mist and she really liked it and it sort of went from there we, did some, we had some meetings on Skype and she recorded some top line for it and uh, I love it it's brilliant you know, it's quite a bouncy song. It's very poppy. It's perhaps not as related to a lot of the data stream stuff because, you know, at the end of the day, it's like it's a pop song. So Jess has done a fantastic job with the vocals and she obviously wrote the lyrics as well. So it doesn't really fit in with the sort of data stream world, but it certainly has the data stream sound. I think it's also one of the most authentic, perhaps, in terms of I wanted to create something that could have been created, you know, in the 80s. And it's probably the, the most authentic piece of work I've done to date, sort of everything on it. I've used was around them kind of thing. And that was really fun for me. You know, I'm not like a authentic sort of like purist or whatever. I mean, I love using modern stuff. But um, it was nice to work on something just entirely limiting yourself to that kind of stuff, I suppose. Yeah, man. Well, it's a, it's a good track. It's a very poppy song, isn't it? But I... Uh, I really like that you know a lot of people say that data stream has got quite a bit of cheese in it and stuff like that and yeah I, I probably wouldn't argue with that to be honest hey man there's nothing wrong with cheese no it's fun it's good for you and goes well with red wine and biscuits <laughs> and mucilage uh, none of that none of that <laughs>
1: Well, man, we can probably uh, wrap this up. Cool. Is, is there anything uh, that you wanted to talk about that I didn't uh, mention? I'm sure there's a lot of stuff I mentioned that you didn't want to talk about.
2: Uh, yeah, maybe I hadn't considered talking about a lot of that stuff. But <laughs> I, I didn't. <laughs> I knew, and I mean, I've listened to quite a lot of Beyond and I uh, didn't want to prepare too much because I thought it would be wasted. Mm. Because yeah. nothing could prepare me, really. <laughs> yeah, that
1: happens. I know, like, when I had uh, uh, Rick shithouse on, like, I think he had... A whole bunch of stuff planned to say, I'm just like, it doesn't really work that way here. <laughs>
2: <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, you just kinda see how it goes.
1: If I cut my finger right before the interview then there's
2: a chance that uh, the whole thing's gonna be derailed. I was going to see have you ever heard of Neil Young? He's a well, you might you must have done. <laughs> Neil Young? Yes, yes, of course. Of course you have. You're in Canada. Mm. So I'm a big Neil Young fan and uh we had a uh, tickets booked to see him. I can't remember where it was now. I think it was like in London. And the, the week before his show, he cut his finger making a ham sandwich and cancelled the entire tour. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a good story, isn't it? I like that. <laughs> um, I was a bit I was a bit you know I was a bit disappointed at the time though that's awesome
1: yeah Neil Young has this awesome album that nobody ever talks about I think it's Trans yeah Trans Trans is awesome yeah that album is amazing and that fucking song uh, to have and to hold no what is it called is it to hold it, the, the one where it's basically him like
2: shopping for a, like a robot woman no Sample and Hold Sample and Hold that's right that song is fucking great so good the whole album yeah I mean I think a lot of Neil Young fans at the time were like uh, not in To that. But uh, I love it. It's got a really nice mix of like Neil and technology as well. Yeah. yeah, Obviously, he's got like a a lot of vocoders on there as well. I think that's where my vocoder fascination probably came from. I really like uh a. computer cowboy as well do you remember that one yeah 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 the one that I like looped the most was sample and hold but it was yeah. I love the the
1: lyrics of that one too I find it tricky to find that song for some reason like whenever I would go looking for it it would always be these weird alternate mixes and like longer or shorter ones and I remember when I was younger and I heard this very specific length version of that track that I can't seem to find again
2: uh, I think there's probably quite a lot of live versions of it I know there's some bootleg albums that have got live versions on I've got a copy on vinyl. My dad was a big fan of Neil Young as well, so I've got a lot of Neil Young records. But it is a great song. Eyes, uh, blue, hair, blonde, all that kind of stuff. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. really is. And it? Uh, I think he did it all live as well, on stage, which is pretty cool. Yeah, no, it's fucking wicked. But Too bad you missed him. I know, but I have seen him a few other times, but he's never done anything from trans, unfortunately. I mean, I did listen
1: to an interview with him recently where he mentioned it, like, of his own free will. Like, really? Yeah, because I thought... I don't know, like maybe that was like some weird period in his life and like he doesn't like talking about it, but I he brought it up.
2: Yeah, he's he's an interesting guy, Neil Young, isn't he? He's, he just has these ideas and he goes with it, you know. Yeah. And I think that's really cool. But I think he's been lucky obviously that He's had that flexibility to just have an idea and go with it over the years. What
1: um, What do you have planned for the rest of the
2: day? I'm going to make another cup of coffee. I'm going to work on a, some audio for a game this afternoon. I've got some footsteps to edit. I think I'm going to have some food later on. I'm going to have a nice relaxing Saturday night, hopefully, and uh, and reflect on our conversation, obviously. <laughs> I wonder what people feel
1: like whenever they're on this show because when it's over they must be like what the fuck did we talk about like I think they they go what just happened they go in with the intention of like I'm going to talk about my music and you know all my favourite things and then they end up getting sidetracked for like 40 minutes with my nonsense and then like what just happened
2: yeah but I mean as long as you I don't know it's quite nice talking about stuff and you can if you can link it in to your music that's even better you know yeah. <laughs> that's,
1: even better. That, that's the challenge i'm setting for uh, the artists that appear on the show try and find some way you can talk about your music while i fucking completely derail you
2: <laughs> i think it's no i think it's a good formula i think it works you know? it reminds me of like breakfast radio you know i
1: need more i need more like talking points like prep for me on the screen Except I don't really like talking about
2: current events. No, me neither. I get tired of that. Oh, yeah. I'm very t- I, I must admit, I do tend to shy away from current events if I can. I don't I don't want to be ignorant of stuff, you know. I do care, but at the same time, I've got things I, on my mind that I want to do, you know. Yeah, things man. focus on, you know. I think it, there's only so much to go around, isn't there? You just tire yourself out if you think about everything else all the time. That is
1: very true. Martin Stonehouse, Data Stream. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Nothing? <laughs> I, don't know, I thought that was quite a nice way to end it.
1: Well, you, uh, listen, you have a lovely day and it was nice talking to you.
2: No, it's been really good chatting on the show. Um, it was nice to do one of these. I've listened to a lot of them, so it was really, really cool to be asked to do one. Um, I hope people have enjoyed it. You know, I think there's some cool stuff in there, isn't there? And some other stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it's all good. Well, you make uh, cool music. I, I I dig it a lot, and I, I do listen to it. I think Downtime might have been one of my favorite tracks uh, this year. It's a
2: very catchy song, that thing. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's always cool to get feedback. I mean, I don't... The data stream... Because it's such a personal idea, you know, I never really intended it to be... It's cliche, isn't it, when someone says, oh, you know, I just do it for the music kind of thing. But uh, it's very self-indulgent, my music. I like making those sounds, and it's cool that some people like them as well, so... Well, that's the most important thing. That, there you go. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. You can put all these fake endings on one. I will, yeah. Just, no, I do that all the time. time. Together. That's another thing I'm really <laughs>
1: bad at is ending shows. That's uh, I'm notorious for being shitty at a lot of things. But you have a lovely day. Good talking to you.
2: You too, man. And keep making cool music. Thank you very much. You take care. Yeah, you too, dude. You look after your fingers. Yeah. <laughs>
1: And that was Datastream. We had a fun time. It's a fun dude. Uh, he makes good music you should check out. If you want an update, my finger is healing. Just in case you were curious about what happened, I did slice my finger uh, with an X-Acto knife, uh, but it did heal. Except the nail. The nail still has this slash through it, which uh, I'm not going to fuck with, but it didn't, like, turn a crazy color or anything, so it was just a... Uh, A silly accident, so if I can implore my listeners, be very careful when you're using a fucking X-Acto knife, because they are sharp as shit, all right? So, fucking watch what you're doing. Anyway, hope you guys had a lovely uh, episode. Hope you guys had a lovely episode. That sounds wrong, but it doesn't matter because the show is over now. Uh, well, let's leave with the track. It's fun to uh, end the show with some music. So, this is by Exile off the XTV album, and it's a track called Syndicate. And I'll uh, catch you guys next time on Beyond Synth. So, this is Exile and the track Syndicate on Beyond Synth.